Episode number 26, Can Medications Help Ease Marijuana Dependency? Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze, where we're talking about can medications help ease marijuana dependency. You know, this topic came about because of some of the things that were discussed at the Indesa conference out in Jacksonville, Florida this last week. We just got back a couple days ago and man, what a great conference. There was so many good things going on, even with all of the coronavirus scare and the things that are going on right now, uh, people having canceled because of their fear of traveling and maybe being exposed to this virus. And that's understandable. There's a lot of unknowns that are going on right now. And with all the things that are in the media, people are really concerned and taking extra precautions. And you can't blame people for that. But I can tell you that it was one great conference. And other than the coronavirus being a topic of discussion, the probably the second most topic that was discussed among people that we spoke with was marijuana and some of the things that they're dealing with in their specific states or in the workplaces of their clients that they're helping at this time. And so I went back and started reading some of the things that are going on with marijuana, especially with New York now making it against the law for you to pre-employment test for marijuana, which is a hot button issue. I mean, Nevada is the other state that instituted that in January of this year. Under certain circumstances, those exceptions being safety-sensitive positions in most cases are the ones that are not held at that standard of not being tested for for marijuana, which in all likelihood that has got to be there for the safety of not only the community but our nation as well as people travel and as we go on these roads and highways and also in the air, we need to know that the people that we're dealing with that are in these safety-sensitive positions are not taking any type of drugs that could impair them to any level. And marijuana falls under that category. You know, there's so many unknowns and there's so much fear among not only some of the people in our industry that do drug and alcohol testing, but also with our clients. They have fears of not knowing exactly what they're dealing with. A lot of them are feeling the pressure of being held to a standard of recognizing impairment in the workplace, and a lot of them just do not have the training or the ability to understand what it is that they're to look for. And we as a community, as a society, are implementing these restrictions on these employers without giving them any tools to fight this to be able to be successful in detecting impairment or even addiction of individuals that are in the workplace. So a lot of those discussions centered around that and the concerns that people have that are legitimate. One of the classes that I taught at the Indesa conference was a reasonable suspicion recognizing the signs and symptoms of impairment. And in this class, we taught people how 
to look for signs of impairment? What specific clues can be detected for each drug category in helping an employer or even a collector be able to identify when somebody is showing signs and symptoms of drug impairment. So it was a really good class. It's something that we plan on offering later. And it's something that I will be doing a webinar in the near future. So if it's something that you're interested in, stay tuned and we will let you know when that's coming about. But in the meantime, I wanted to talk about a different issue with marijuana and one that I was kind of surprised about because you hear a lot of people touting that marijuana is not an addictive drug, that it isn't going to cause dependency, which is a bunch of bull. And we all know that. However, they have done a awesome job in the industry of the pro-marijuana people putting out to everyone that marijuana is a very safe drug, that there's no way you can overdose with it, there's no way that you can become addicted to this drug, and yet we're seeing this happen on a daily basis being reported in the news and also hearing of stories that are being related on the Internet from people as well. Some of them are hard to substantiate, I grant you, but others are very real and can be substantiated and can be looked into. And so one of the topics that I wanted to talk about was the research that is being done on whether or not medications can help ease marijuana dependency. And it's interesting to me that this is one of the first articles I've seen in quite a while that's even acknowledging that if you're using marijuana that you can become dependent or addicted to marijuana. And so I want to go over this article that came out in March of this year, March 2nd of 2020, and it was in the U.S. News, and the reporter that reported on it was Amy Norton. And she did a really good job with this article and gave you a lot of good talking points and things that need to be taken into consideration when it comes to identifying medications that could be used to help those with cannabis use disorder, which is what the term has been given for those that are having issues with dependency and addiction with marijuana. In the first sentence of this article, it says, of the medications that have been studied to treat problem marijuana use, none have proved effective. You know, I read that sentence and I thought to myself, there's a lot of studies that are going on in the reverse trying to show that marijuana can help ease dependency of drugs such as opiates and things like that. And there haven't been any studies that have shown that it has a significant effect in combating those issues either. So it would only make sense that if it's not working that way, why would it work in identifying medications that would ease cannabis use disorder. The article further states that the review of 26 trials found that no tested drugs, including antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, synthetic cannabinoids, none of them showed clear benefits for people with cannabis use disorder. So when you talk about cannabis use disorder, what exactly is it? And in this article, it identifies cannabis use disorder stating that it could be diagnosed when a marijuana habit becomes a consuming part of life 
where people let work or personal responsibility slide, they ignore problems, and their drug use is causing or finding themselves needing more and more marijuana to get high. So in other words, doesn't that sound an awful lot like addiction? It does to me. What I found even more interesting was that in 2015, they found that 4 million Americans had cannabis use disorder. And according to the United States National Institute on Drug Abuse, which is NIDA, their research suggests it affects around 30% of marijuana users at some point. Wow. You know, a lot of times people often see marijuana as a non-addictive drug And a lot of times, regular users can actually develop withdrawal symptoms if they try to stop, including nervousness, irritability, insomnia. Sometimes they can go into depression and have physical symptoms like abdominal pain, tremors, headaches, things like that. I remember watching a recent uh, television uh, report on marijuana, and they were trying to use it as a way of getting people that were addicted to opiates off of those drugs. And they were taking people into these makeshift rehabilitation centers out in the middle of nowhere, being convinced that if they took these people away from their ability to access the drug, that they would be really effective in introducing cannabis and helping them to be get off the addiction that they were experiencing from those drugs. And it was interesting to see that when they were starting this with individuals, they would give them different sized doses of marijuana, which would means basically different levels of THC in the products that they were giving them. And over a couple periods of days, they were given these treatments to this one individual. And in the middle of the night, he took off. And they were shocked that he took off, that he had t- taken off. And I'm sitting there shaking my head because I have seen individuals going through opioid addiction withdrawals. It's one of the main reasons why methadone is given to these individuals to help them gradually come down off of these drugs. It's one of the hardest drugs to come off of because of the dependency that these users experience in the severe withdrawals that they have in not having these drugs. That's why the relapse of opioid addiction is so great. Now, I don't blame the individuals that are trying to help. They honestly feel, when you watch that special, that they are helping people overcome their addiction to opioids. And they believe that they truly feel that marijuana is the answer. But in all the studies that have been done, none of them have come to that same conclusion saying that marijuana will help those addicted to opioids in overcoming that addiction. And so now we have an article that is talking about marijuana and having the same saying that 30% of marijuana users are having that same episode of combating the cannabis use disorder. and how it affects them. There was an interesting statement made by Dr. Frances Levin. She is the chief of the Division on Substance Use Disorders at the New York State Psychiatric Institute, Columbia University in New York City. And that statement was that there is a misperception that marijuana is benign. 
what it seemed like one of her concerns was is that people with milder cannabis use disorder symptoms are less likely to seek treatment but take care of that themselves. To which Litvin had stated, so those who do seek help typically have a more serious dependency on the drug that is disrupting their lives. And she continued, we need to look at cannabis use disorder as we would any other substance use disorder. Bravo. I believe that's a true statement. I think that we cannot separate one addictive drug with another addictive drug and justifying the effects of one over the other. An addictive drug is an addictive drug, and it's going to affect the individual much in the same way, and it's going to cause the same issues of dependency and trying to get off of that drug in most cases. And I say most cases because, like we just talked about with opiates, opioids is a very, very hard drug to get those that are dependent on it off of it. And they go, like I said, through some of the more severe withdrawal symptoms than any other drug. And so that, in my book, is the reason why opioids in addiction recovery are one of the hardest drugs to deal with. Marijuana is going to be right there with people, and especially right now, as prevalent and as easy it is to get, it's going to be such a huge temptation for somebody to relapse because it's so in our face right now with edibles, with CBD products, all of these things that are right there in people's face, tempting them to be able to go and use it and feel justified in doing so because it's becoming so socially acceptable to use. It's kind of funny, when we first started talking to people about marijuana use when it came to medical cannabis, a lot of times people were going and getting their medical marijuana card and doing so under the vice that they were experiencing pain or disabling, debilitating symptoms that no other medication was able to help them with, but mysteriously and miraculously, marijuana did. And we've had individuals that have gone in and have made up symptoms, and doctors have been pretty quick to pull the trigger and give them a medical marijuana card to alleviate those symptoms. And so now we're having to deal with these individuals not even having to go out and get a medical marijuana card in most places now because of the legalization of marijuana. But yet, we don't hear the true story that we all know that they're doing, and that is they're smoking marijuana to get high. All of them now say they're using it for one disabling effect that they're having, such as, you know, sleep deprivation or post-traumatic stress disorder or all of these self-medicating reasons why individuals choose to use marijuana. You don't hear people coming out anymore and saying, I'm using weed because I want to get high. They're trying to justify their use by saying that they have a medical condition that that dictates to them that they have to use this type of medication for self-medicating. So one of the distinctions that Dr. Levin gave in this article was that people with milder cannabis use disorder symptoms are less likely to seek treatment than those who do seek helps typically who have a more serious dependency on that drug, and it's because it's disrupting their lives. So one of the suggestions is that we need to take a look at cannabis use disorder as we would any other substance use disorder. Think about that. 
There has been such a big push trying to separate this drug and distance it from any other drug out there because of all the good, quote-unquote, that it does and the safety that it is and that it's non-addictive, but yet we have a study here that identifies a symptom called cannabis use disorder and that people are having to seek treatment because of for lack of better words, or what I'm going to tell you in reading this, is addiction. So in a second study that's mentioned in this article that's called The New Review that was published online on March 2nd in the Annals of Internal Medicine, in that study it found that that few drug classes have failed to help patients abstain from marijuana or cut down on their consumption. And those drugs included antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, and also prescription-grade cannabinoids. And yet, other medications have also been studied, such as mood stabilizers, anti-seizure medications, and also dietary supplements. And the evidence on them was deemed insufficient. So there wasn't any noticeable changes or ability to help in the treatment of cannabis use disorder. When mentioning this study to Dr. Levin, she had stated that some of the medications in this individual studies and in her review of it, that this was a very small and not of the size of group that can be definitive. She also stated that it varied in the duration of treatment when they were doing this and that the use of behavioral therapy and the groups of patients they studied that in some of these people, they had a coexisting psychiatric condition, kind of like depression, and some focused on teenagers while others on long-term marijuana use. So there just wasn't a very controlled group that they were able to study on this. It was all over the boards. And she stated that it was very difficult for them to draw any kind of conclusions based on this with that study. So later, another doctor, in talking about the same two studies, named Carly Kondo, a researcher with the VA Portland Healthcare System, agreed that it's too soon to reach a verdict because of the size of the groups that they've tested. She concluded that studies of different combination medications and behavioral therapy are needed for additional study. What they found in this study is that some people use marijuana to essentially self-medicate for disorders like anxiety or depression, and that's in part of the rationale behind testing antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications for cannabis use disorder. So keep in mind also that between 2002 and 2014, the number of daily marijuana users in the United States almost doubled. And that was according to studies done by NIDA on marijuana use. The other concern is that marijuana that's in circulation today can be found to be 10 times as potent as what was available decades ago when they were doing studies. So the bottom line with this, with all the studies, they concluded that opioids certainly cause more severe problems, but that doesn't mean that marijuana is harmless, which a lot of us have been saying for quite a while, including yours truly. One of the things that we really need to do is have open dialogue with our clients and explain to them 
studies like this that are showing that cannabis can be addictive and that their employees can become addicted to those to this drug and we need to share with them signs and symptoms that they need to look out for for impairment. We need to tell them about some of the things that were talked about in this study that we just spoke about, such as individuals becoming dependent on this drug, that they can develop withdrawal symptoms like nervousness, irritability, insomnia, depressed mood, physical symptoms like abdominal pain, tremors, headaches. They can become very short with individuals. They can become very emotional and upset. And so these things are going to translate over to how the drug is affecting them, and it could spill over into the workplace. And like I've told people a lot in training, especially supervisors, supervisors see these individuals on a daily basis. They know what normal behavior is for these people for the most part. If they've been with that supervisor for a time or with the company for a time, people will know who they are and how they act. And it'll be very noticeable when people start displaying symptoms like irritability, insomnia, things like that. We have to do our best to train our employers and supervisors on how to recognize these things. And then because of those signs and symptoms that they're recognizing, having an individual tested for reasonable suspicion due to those documented observations that a supervisor has made. Understanding the signs and symptoms of drug impairment is just as important for us as collectors as well. We're coming in contact with these individuals. We're seeing behavior that they're displaying both verbally and physically as they come into our facilities. We need to, for lack of better words, keep our head on a swivel. We need to expect those type of things coming into our facilities or out on the work site if we're responding on-site to do drug testing, being able to tell when there's just something that isn't right and then translating and recognizing what it is and how we can best deal with that. Now, whether we get the DER involved, we talk to a supervisor, however that company wants those things to be taken care of is how they should be taken care of. But the big point is not only do the supervisors need to be able to recognize this, but we as collectors do as well. As marijuana use becomes more and more of the social norm with individuals, it's going to be very imperative that trainings that talk about impairment and how to recognize it are taught and be given to our clients as an option for their continued education and recognizing when these things come into their workplace. Because we see with cannabis use disorder that it rapidly becomes a addiction issue where if not addressed, could cause severe issues within the workplace. As more and more states legalize marijuana and as we see it becoming a national trend, it's only a matter of time, we need to have these type of classes and choices for our employers in place. If you need assistance in offering this type of training to not only your clients but to yourself or your staff, please email me at helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. Again, that's helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. And we can discuss the options that you have and how we can best serve you in helping you in recognizing signs and symptoms of marijuana impairment, but also in helping your employers as well. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Clearing the Haze, and it's given you some thought and some things to ponder and understanding if you or your clients need this type of training. If you find that it does, or if you have other questions on this type of training, please feel free to reach out to me at helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. Again, that's helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. So until next week, remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business. Take care.